What do you think a good title for the podcast would be? Um, what what is the what's the title of your TED talk? Did you have a title? Yeah. Following your heart, the secret tool to enable uh, something along the lines of follow it. Yeah. Follow your heart colon the secret tool <laughs> to Himena recording you awkwardly. <laughs> I'm trying to take a picture. Um so it'll follow your heart, go with your gut, but the the talk will be revealing the secret mm-hmm. to on like to figuring out how to listen to your heart and how to find the courage to follow your heart. Okay. So there are a lot of times you might know, oh, I should break up with this person or I should quit this job. Yeah. But you feel pressure to, yeah, to keep, keep with keep the job doing or stay with doing, not yeah. end the relationship. Right. So the to- whole topic of the talk is being able to do both, listen to your heart and follow it, like have the courage to follow it. Okay. I like that. So... Hmm. But I, I think if I can figure out the, well, you and I will chat. Yeah, we'll that's see how it goes. Yeah, I'm interested because that'll be like a title for. Should the, definitely follow the theme of your. Right, like the title yeah. should convey whatever whatever yeah. it's about. Whatever the theme's gonna be. Interesting. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Yes. There's this one that's so funny. It's called "Girls Got to Eat." Have you ever heard of that one? Oh my God, it's so funny. It's these two girls, these two, like, they're women that live in New York. Mena, can you close the door? Yeah. Thanks, girly. It's a good one. What do they talk about? I mean, it's it's not like yours. Like, it's not like anything. It's just two girls shooting the shit? Yeah, kind of. And they both moved to New York City, like, I think in their late 20s or early 30s. And they just talk about, like, dating and, like, what, what it's like and... Oh, uh, what's Different the one that topics. was on Barstool and it got into a huge thing? Oh, uh, was one, was it one of those girls? It probably. The yeah, two girls got been. into a huge fight and then one went off and did her oh, no. call me daddy or that call her daddy. Yeah, that one's different. That one's funny too, though. But that one's more like They're kind of raunchy, yeah. Yeah, being raunchy. But it's funny. Yeah. Those are the podcasts <laughs> I listen to. I listen to two, like people just, I mean, Rogan, obviously. Yeah. But then, uh, like, there's two comedians, Tom. Uh, I should probably mute all my sh- stuff. Yeah. Tom uh, Segura and Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Who are two comedians I really like. They have one called Two Bears, One Cave that okay. they started doing during COVID. Hmm. And they're best friends. Interesting. From forever. And they're raunchy. Not raunchy, but they're dude comedians. Yeah. So they just hang out for an hour with yeah. microphones in front of their faces. Yeah. And it's hysterical. Yeah. It's really, really good. That's great. So everyone's doing a podcast. Yeah. So this doesn't, I don't, you know, I don't even think, I don't even think like, there will be a lot of listeners to this. Yeah. But if I can have really interesting conversations on record mm-hmm. um, from people who have done really different things and, and it can be from all walks of life, like I was right. saying the other day, like every person has a story and For every sure. person. And so the unique thing about my talk and what I'm trying to share with the community is if each of us can figure out, like I had my tool. Yeah which was my experience with cancer at a developmental age. I was 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I realized how fleeting life is. Yeah. And if you can, if you can like embody that. Yeah. At an early enough age, really at any age, then when you're facing a tough decision or you don't know what to do, if you can put yourself in the mindset of reminding yourself, all the other pressures ultimately don't matter all that matters right. is like when you're at the end you're going to want to know you listen to yourself right? yeah so i i think if if all of us can find our own tool our own way of listening to our heart mm-hmm. then in going forward we don't have to have had cancer or lost a loved one or right. lost a job and we don't have to go through something tragic in order to learn a life lesson yeah exactly we just have to have the right mindset right yeah well, and I think something that I've learned just since graduating college is like my mom, she'll like often ask me, oh, like, did you regret doing that? Just about certain things. And I'm like, well, no, because everything that you do, regardless of if it works out the way you thought it would or not, you're always going to learn from it. And something, in my opinion, something better always comes out of it. Because even if it's not the ideal outcome you had, mm something else there's a lesson to have been learned yeah there's a lesson to have been learned and also i mean no matter what happens you've just got to keep going so you're going to make it work and you're going to make it 
you know, whatever you wanted it to be eventually. It just might take longer. Okay. If that makes sense. So, so what, one thing I think that'd be interesting for this podcast would be to understand, I, I always like to start with where people are in their careers. Okay. Cause I, I, I don't know a lot of people. I know people who are successful, unsuccessful, happy, unhappy, but I don't know a single per very few people I know personally one-on-one that are doing something today that they knew when they were a freshman in college, they wanted to do. Yeah. So w- what is it that you're doing right now? Cause I don't really understand your job. So I am, uh, my official title is a training and development analyst. So, um, I'm a, basically a corporate trainer, but I also develop all of the, you know, learning materials and different things that I train. Okay. So a lot of times, and I'm getting my master's right now in instructional design. And a lot of times there will be, especially with bigger corporations, like someone who does the design part, and then there will be trainers that just train. But I kind of, my job is really to do all of it. So um, it's a lot, but it I really enjoy it. And that's, I used to be an elementary school teacher. So Whoa. yeah. So that was um, a really big career change, but it's a lot of the same stuff. It's just a different audience and a different... I guess it's just different content. Okay. So you started off out of college. You were an elementary school mm-hmm. teacher. What grade? I taught kindergarten for one year at a charter school in Panama City, Florida. And then I moved to California and I taught anywhere K to five. I ran a homeschool like group um, at a tutoring company. So um, I did that for about two years. And then I moved back to Birmingham kind of, you know, um, abruptly. So I didn't have a job when I moved back, uh, which Birmingham's where I'm from. So I moved back and I went to apply just for an entry level position because it was like the end of the school year. So I couldn't start teaching for several months if that was what I was going to do, which I thought it was. Um, So I went for an entry level position at this insurance company and they just so happened to have a training position open. And at that time it was just for one department and it was the, I was the first person that would have done it. And I interviewed and they were like, wait, you have all this teaching experience, you know, your personality, you seem like you would be really good at this. You'd be good with people, like whatever. Um, So they offered me that instead. And I, you know, I was like, well, I'll do this for a few months. And if I don't like it, I'll quit, go back to teaching. Mm. Um, But I love it. So I got lucky. Interesting. So when you were in, well, why don't we start off with what's your, what's your name? Who are you? We didn't start with that. This is our pilot episode, so we're learning as we're going. Okay, so my name is Allie Mosier. Um, I'm 28, and I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Well, I'm from Miami originally is where we were born, where my family's from. I'm Patrick's cousin. Yes. Second cousin. What are we? T- I mean, we're, I call uh, you my cousin, but cous- we're a few steps removed. We're uh, okay. your mom is my first cousin. That makes you my second. Okay, that's so what we're I second so cousins. We're second cousins. But in Birmingham, it's all cousins. Anyway. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah. So it's it's good. And, I'm, your t- and your official title today is training and development analyst for uh, Pro Assurance Medical Malpractice Insurance Company. Okay, so Allie with Pro Assurance, a mm-hmm. training analyst yeah training and development training and Mm -hmm. development analyst Mm -hmm. but you were just telling us that you started off as an elementary school teacher yes is that what you were studying in college yes so uh funny enough when we went to i went to auburn university and when i went to um orientation me and my mom went she really she was very um my mom's very strong independent woman she always has been she's always raised us to be that way And she really pushed me to go into nursing because she said, you'll always have a job. You know, the money's good. Like it's a steady career, you know, whatever. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had an idea. I knew I loved working with kids. But when she told me that and, you know, kind of pushed for me to enroll in that, I thought, okay, well, yeah, maybe she's right. So I did that. Literally three months into college, I made a major switch and went elementary education. Um, because even yeah. like my core classes, like biology and like anything related to science, I was like, I hate science. I hate science. I can't what do did you something. Hate about it? I just, I never felt like I was good at science. Mm. I don't know. I don't really, honestly, I, it, it didn't interest me then. Now it does. But then I was like, I cannot imagine my whole career being based around something that I don't feel like I'm very good at. It was never my strongest subject in school. Right. So how old were you at that point? I was... I just turned 18. So you're 18 years old. You're three months into your freshman year. Yeah. Your mother had been pressuring you mm-hmm. 
to be a nurse. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because reasons. Because, yeah, exactly. And uh, did when at three months into freshman year, when you were realizing, oh my gosh, I hate science. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not good at this. Was it a process to sit down with your mom or your parents and say, hey, listen, I'm going to switch majors? Like, what was that like? So funny thing about me, especially back then when I was a teenager, is I used I was very big on ask for forgiveness, not permission. Oh, so you early on. <laughs> I was a you, little rebellious. A little bit. <laughs> so I did it. And then I told her after. Um, oh. And she was pretty mad. My grandmother, Grammy, she was also she was she was pretty pissed as well, just because they were <laughs> they were both this. like, what? Like, you would be such a good nurse. And I'm like, who says, you know, like, why do you? And they're like, well, you're just so good at like caring for people and. But I think that for them, and I know my mom always said, like, teachers don't make a lot of money, which is, she's very true. That's very, very correct statement. Um, But that was what I wanted to do. I mean, I knew, and I really knew before I went to college, I was always, like, doing summer camp counseling and stuff like that and tutoring in the summers. So I really loved teaching people stuff and working with kids. Okay. Um, And I always really knew that. But then I, I guess I never really knew I wanted to be a teacher until I went into nursing. And I was in like the nursing learning community and, you know, I hadn't even really started nursing specific classes really yet, but I just knew I was like, no, this isn't what I want. So it sounds like early on, you kind of always knew that Mm -hmm. teaching, communicating, uh, conveying an idea to another group of people, whether it's young students or it sounds like now colleagues, adult colleagues, Mm -hmm. that that was something that was an inherent talent of yours. Yes. And then you enjoyed it as well. Yes. So you asked, uh, do first, ask for forgiveness yeah. later, right? So, so you just change, you just change your major three months into freshman year. Yeah. From from nursing to education. Yep. And you stuck with education for the rest of your career in college. I did, yeah. Elementary and, education. And never reg- any regrets after that. No. And and how how when you finally told your mother and your Grammy, you said they they didn't take it well, but eventually they came around. Yeah, and. My mom knows about me, especially at that point. She knew that I'm always, and she she said this the other day, and we both kind of laughed about it. She's like, Allie's going to do what Allie wants to do. And if she needs me, I'll always ask her if I need help. I'm always, I'll go to her if I know I messed up or if, you know, and she's always, she's very supportive. She's great. So she knew at that point, like, you know what? She's already done it. Mm. There's nothing I can do to fix it or change it, change her mind. And if she ends up regretting it later or wanting to go back, then she will. Right. So she she was just initially just kind of mad and I think too mad like that I didn't tell her um, yeah. because we're we have a very open relationship. And um, but she yeah, I mean, she came around and she was like, I mean, if that's what makes you happy. And I was I was so much happier after I switched and I didn't feel like the pressure of I have to do this mm. when but I didn't want to do it. Hypothetically, you, there could have been a world where before you did that, mm-hmm. before you switched that major. You could have gotten in your own brain and said, oh, my gosh, my mom's going to be really upset. Oh, yeah. My grandma's well, going to be Well, and I did. I did. You did go through I, that I battled that bit. for probably a month. Like, okay, I, I, so knew, you, I knew pretty quickly you, into college that it was not for me. <laughs> but I, I did. I battled that, my, that my mom was, was – because that she was, like I said, the one that kind of pushed me to Okay, so this is the core there. of what I'm, what I'm trying to explore with everyone yeah. is like – so you had this pressure. You knew it was there were going to be repercussions. You're yeah. only 18 at this point, but you yes. knew that – there were people who people had expectations of you and you didn't want to let them down. Right. So for a month, you battled that in your brain with mm-hmm. your mom. But but how did you finally get to the point where you pulled the trigger and changed the major? It's interesting. I feel like and I'm still this way now and I've done this a lot. I'm I will go back and forth with something in my head, but I don't ever this is probably going to sound bad. I don't ever think about something too much to the point where I'm like spiraling of like an anxious like oh my god what do I do I don't really do that I'll let myself think about it a little bit each day Mm. and kind of be like okay is this what would make me happier like would this make me happier and then I'll be like I really don't think it will and then the next day I'll kind of think about it and be like okay why you know and I kind of like slowly get there but then when I'm there Mm. I'm completely there so it sometimes takes me time but when I'm ready, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to Regardless look back. of what other people yep. yeah. think or want It or doesn't expect. matter what anyone's going to say at that point. Okay. So this leads to a number of... Only because I know you, this leads <laughs> yeah. to a lot of really other good questions. So, But let's fast yeah. forward. So you get through college. You graduate with an education degree. Mm-hmm. 
pretty soon after that, you're teaching in a classroom. Yes. T- talk to me about that because you enjoyed that. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So I, I taught kindergarten. Um, I lived in, so that was actually kind of another thing. I had like the um, Auburn job fair, another good like. Auburn's you know, where you went to school. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's at the end of, towards the end of my senior year. And they basically like for the education um, students, they had one that was all schools from all over the country. And they each had a booth set up and you would go around and talk to them and give them your resume and um, all of that. And the first table that I stopped at was this school. And they handed me, I'll never forget, they handed me a really tiny little glass vial of sand from Panama City Beach. It had like, it was just a little vial of sand. And they were like, would you like some sand like from the Gulf Coast? And I just kind of laughed. I was like, thanks, you know, whatever. Um, And then I sat down and I talked to them and they were just so nice. And everything they were, you know, explaining like the mission of their school and like, you know, the core beliefs and values and things like that. And it was just everything. I was like, this sounds amazing. Like these people are so they're great people. They're so nice. Like everything about it. I, I was just completely I was so enticed by all of it. So I really liked them. But of course, I went around to the other booths and talked to some other schools as well. And, um, okay. Um, so yeah, I talked to all these other schools, whatever. And, and I really liked them. And my mom, again, she really wanted me to graduate and move back to Birmingham, live with them, save some money, and teach at Homewood. Um, because my cousin worked at Homewood and she was like, you could probably get a job at Homewood Elementary, you know, and, or a school in Homewood. Um, but I didn't want to do that. Home, so Homewood was close to home, but then yeah. this vial of sand yeah. was, was away from home. It was. It was in Panama City Beach, and which is about four and a half hours from Birmingham. And had you ever lived four and a half hours away from home before? No. Even in college, you were close to home. Yeah. Okay, like so less here's than another really interesting dilemma you're facing. Yeah. Stay where you're used to staying mm-hmm. and live where you've always lived. Mm-hmm. Or leave everything you've known and everyone you've known mm-hmm. because you were handed a vial of sand. But see, yeah. But see, to me, it was not even a... That's This is another example of like, I really didn't... This was one where I really didn't even think about it. Because to me, I didn't want to go... I'm very... Um, I don't know if you believe in astrology signs. Probably not. <laughs> no, I, I mean, teach their own. Yeah. I, I don't judge it, but I, that's not my jam. So I am a, I'm a Leo. So if anybody out there cares about this at all, I don't know. But I am very big on... Like, I'm very prideful. That's like one of my biggest things. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will ask for help when I need it. But like, I really am a very strong believer of like, I want to do things on my own. So I think that was something where I... I was like, I don't want to move home and, you know, get a job just because I know someone else that works there. Like, I want to do this on my own. Like, I want to get a job because I'm great at what I do and I'm going to be a great teacher and that's what I want to do. So this was the the, the idea of being on your own, away from home, surrounded by everything brand new was yeah. actually an exciting yes, thing for you. Very. There was no pressure or nervousness around that. Yeah. And I mean, me and my sister both growing up in Birmingham, neither of us liked Birmingham. So neither of us ever. <laughs> sorry, Birmingham. Yeah. Sorry. And nothing against it, but we'd been there our whole lives and yeah. we were just like, you know, it's kind of small. A lot of the same people. We both really have always wanted to get out of Birmingham. So that was okay. another thing. Well, too. That, is, that leads to the next question. Well, the, yeah. a few questions from now will be how the hell did you end up back yeah. in Birmingham? But <laughs> so so you're teaching now in Birmingham. Yeah, you're, you're I'm not in Birmingham. You're teaching in Florida now. Yes. You eventually made the choice to go to Clearwater. Yes. Uh, Panama City. And Panama I got the City. job. I, I went for an interview. Um, they really they offered me the job. The second I pulled out of the school, they called me and offered me the job. Like they loved me. And you loved it there? I loved it there. Okay. and But you didn't stay there very long. I didn't. I only stayed for one year. So talk me through that. So, so if you're, now, now here's an interesting thing. So, so the whole theme we're trying to explore in these conversations is following your heart, going with your gut. Mm-hmm. And make, like when you make big decisions in your life, what led to that decision? And and, and how did you find the courage to do it? It wasn't a mistake or not and all this stuff. Yeah. So you're now in a place you love, mm-hmm. at a job you love, uh, following your passion. Yeah. Arguably, right? So you're happy, but a year into it. Yeah. Well, you, before before I tell you the reason why I left, okay. I, I've got, because I know that. There's context. I, yeah. I know uh-huh. that there's going to be like a really big like, oh, she did not. But <laughs> the thing is. I loved living near the beach because I love the beach and I loved 
um, my, my job, the school, my job, all the people, it was amazing, but there was no one my age that lived there. It was the weirdest thing. Like it was all, what do they call like snowboard snowbirds? Yeah. People that are from the North and like moved down there. So like a lot of like elderly people. And then all of my coworkers are, you know, in their thirties or older married with kids. And so I'm like, okay, I have no one. I'm 22 at this point. I'm like, I have no one that's my age. And You're 22 fresh out of college, surrounded yes. by people at yes. the later stages of life. Yes. Okay. And my roommate, who was one of my best friends from college, she's my age, and she was wonderful. It was great to live with her and that she was there. But outside of the two of us, there was no one our age. And so it wasn't really like a fun, like on the weekends, go to a bar and like meet people or like go to the beach and like see people your age. It was not like that at all. So that part I didn't enjoy. Um, and I'm very social. So I that bothered me. Um, I would say, but the reason I moved is because my, at the time boyfriend, we had been Mm. dating for, I know I told you, you would say, um, we'd been dating for, I guess three years when I finally moved, but two years when I took the job in Florida and he actually took a job because he's a software engineer in, um, Los Angeles, LA, California. So, so when you moved to Florida, your, your then boyfriend was across the country in California. Yeah. So you had a long distance relationship. Yes. Okay. So matters of the heart are always fun ones, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So here we go. So you're, you're in a, you're in a job you love, a place you love, but you have a, a, a -hmm. a man you love, Mm -hmm. uh, and so your heart's pulling you in two different directions. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You're 22. Yep. How you're, you're, it sounds like you're about to face a dilemma now, right? You're at the end of this year. You love what you're doing, but you, you love this guy you're with. Yeah. Who's 3000 miles away. Yeah. So we did the long distance for that. I say a year. It, it, it was about a year, but school year, right? It's a little shorter because I get summers and holidays off as a teacher. Um, but I mean, we visited each other. I probably saw him like every other month, like either I would go there or he would come to me. So that was, it really wasn't that bad. We were both so busy during the week, our first job out of college. It was not that, that big of a deal. Like we had a really good relationship. So neither of us were like super jealous or anything Mm. crazy like that. Um, but you missed each other. Yeah, of course. But also every time I would go visit, I was just, obsessed with LA I was like oh my god like it was somewhere so different from anything I'd ever known and I was like I want to live here you know and of course he wanted me there too because but was so there was like an inner voice inside of you saying I want to live here there's something about this yeah beyond him beyond the boyfriend oh yeah like I mean obviously the fact that he was there was great and of course every time I went to visit we obviously did like really fun you know vacation stuff the whole Mm. time which made it even more enticing right um so it was great. And again, I wanted to move there and my mom was not happy <laughs> about that. Um, it was really far Did from, you talk from with my her before family. You, you made that decision. You were having that conversation openly. Uh, yeah. And I think she knew when he went there and I went to Florida, I think she knew that eventually it was going to happen. But really? I think she had hoped that. Why did she hope that? I think she hoped that it wouldn't just because she she was very big on like, don't move there for him. Right. And I was like, well, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not all for that. I mean, I love it's really cool there. I've never lived anywhere else. The again, like the population is like a lot of younger people. There's so much fun stuff to do there. And where I was living then, I didn't have that. And that was the one thing that I really missed. And you also said earlier that you anything but Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Right. I was like, well, I'm not coming home, so I don't know what you want me to do. (laughs) So, I mean, you've tried this area of Florida that wasn't necessarily mixing with you culturally. Right. But now here's this opportunity for L.A. Yeah. I mean, if anything is the opposite of Birmingham, I would imagine it's L.A. Oh, yeah. Complete opposite. The people, everything about it, just complete opposite. And you've always wanted something different on Mm -hmm. your own. Okay. So so now there's a couple of things calling you there. Your, your, Your boyfriend, but also this inner alley desire to yeah. be on your own and proving to yourself you can do a new place. Oh yeah. But you also love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So how did you make, what, what was it? Was there a thing or a moment where you knew regardless of your mom wanting you to stay in Florida and you loving your job, you obviously, even though you loved your job and you had pressure from your mother to stick around, mm-hmm. you still said, you know what? I need to try the LA thing. Yeah. How, how, why? Well, to me, it was funny because 
I would talk to my friends that I graduated with in elementary ed and like I was I was very lucky with my first year teaching experience. I mean, the kids in my class were amazing. The school was amazing. The parents were amazing. Like I didn't have those horror stories of, oh, my God, this kid in my class was just had all these behavior problems and it was so hard. Like I didn't have any any issues. It was just a year of smooth sailing. I mean, it was a great, great job. So that was the hardest part was leaving my job because I loved, loved my job. But I think that in the back of my mind, I was like, I am replaceable to them the same way that like this job is replaceable for me. So there's a million schools, right? I could find a job at a school next week in LA and love it just as much potentially. We've got a garage door opening <laughs> okay. in the background. We keep pausing, but I don't I don't think you guys can hear it on the okay. microphone, so we're okay. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, so, okay. So, so you, the job's replaceable. You're replaceable. Yeah. That kind of gave you permission within yourself to make the decision. But I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is like internally, you yeah. still had to say, fuck it. Like, I yeah. want this, not that. Yeah. And that's pretty much just what I did. I mean... How did it you was, know? When I'll tell you, I went for spring break. So I had a week off because I'm a teacher, right? So uh-huh. I went for spring break. You went to LA for spring break. Yes. And that was in, I think it was in April. So that was the last time that I went to visit before I moved there in June. So I went and when I was there, I just, I tried really hard because I, I knew I was going to move there. I was like 90%. But I was like, this is going to be a really good chance for me to like be there and really like weigh things and just think about it. So while I was, I didn't talk to... Um, my boyfriend at the time, but it wasn't anything where I talked to him about so it. So he wasn't a part of this decision. I mean, no, he, he wanted me to move there when, when we first graduated. And I, I was like, no, I mean, I'm going to go with my job. You go with your job and we'll see what happens. Um, and of course he still wanted me to move there and he would say things about it, but I, I didn't ask him and, and weigh it with him because I really wanted it to be my decision. I didn't want to feel you again, to the own pressure. It either way. yeah, I didn't want to feel like it was something where I was feeling like someone else was like guilting me into anything. So mm. It was, it was definitely my decision. Um, but, and of course he wanted me to move. He was like asking me to, but I didn't talk with him about like when I was weighing it, if that okay. makes sense. So, so this April trip's <laughs> happening. You're out there with him, yeah. visiting him. Yeah. But internally you're having this own dialogue with yourself. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I think when I got back, I just knew it was, it was weird. I just. In your gut. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a gut feeling. I just was like, you know what? This is definitely what I want to do. I've known that I've wanted to do this the whole past year, every time I went to visit, but now I'm sure. Now it sounds like you've always been pretty in tune because you, you're talking about how you're independent. You always just kind of want to do things on your mm-hmm. own and ask for forgiveness later, right? So mm-hmm. it sounds like you're pretty good at listening to your gut. Yes. And you have no problem following it most of the time. Yes. So so here's another instance. First, it was switching from nursing to education, which mm-hmm. I didn't even know that story. Yeah. So, so then you're in education, you love your job, but mm-hmm. your gut is like, ah, LA, boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> cool new place. And so you, you get back from April vacation, you go with your gut yeah. and you tell the school that you love, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to go to California. Did you have a job lined up in California? No. So, so you were just like, I'm going. So I, again, perk of being a teacher, right? I was getting paid all the way through to August. Mm. So I moved as soon, school ended beginning of June and I um, moved. I, I just took my clothes. I didn't like take furniture. My parents watched my dog and I just went and I was like, I'm going to go for a month, you know, stay with, stay with my boyfriend and, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to find a job while I'm there because I had tried applying online and it was very hard to, to do not being there. Mm. So I thought that would be the easiest way. Um, the second day I was there, I went to Starbucks Starbucks. And I met a lady that gave me an interview at her school. Um, Wait, you were just ordering a latte? And yeah. the lady was like, would you like to be and a teacher? I was in line behind her and she was talking to the barista, something about school. And so I was like, okay, shoot your shot, Allie. Here we go. And I was like, wait, you're a teacher? That's so cool. I'm a teacher. I just moved here. Oh, wow. And we just started talking and she's like, oh my God. She's like, we're hiring, you know, and and she gave me her email and her phone number. And she's like, yeah, send me an email with your resume and we'll get you an interview set up. I mean, it was like, I was like, there's no way it's this easy. You know, like I was like shitting myself. I was like, there's no way. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here. Yeah, you can say but, whatever you want. <laughs> it's just you and me talking. I was like, this is amazing. Um, so then from Starbucks, I walked down because where he lived was literally a 30 second walk to this tutoring company. And I was like, well, I would, I would at least want to get something like now if I can. 
So I figure like they're maybe more likely to hire. So I walk into this Miss B's tutoring. They're amazing. I walk in and Miss B, the owner, is is there. And I was like, hey, are, you know, just moved here. I'm a teacher. I'm certified. Are you are you hiring? And she's like, yes. You know, when can you start? And I was like, literally today. Like, and whenever you need me, I'm here all summer. Um, so she went ahead and she's like, yeah, come in. I think she had me come in. I don't even really think she had me interview. I think she just said, bring me a copy of your resume, mm. which I did. And she was like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to go ahead and as a trial basis, like book you with a student. And that was it. So I, I tutored all summer. Wow. So that was like more money on top of my income that I was getting, but I still didn't have a full-time job. So, I, you know, I went and interviewed and things like that. I didn't end up getting the job that I interviewed with, with the Starbucks lady, but she was super nice. And she like really tried to get me other stuff. Um, and when I tried to take a full-time position, Miss B from the tutoring company was like, look, I think it's in your best interest to just work for me full-time. And so we talked about it. I weighed it and I was like, okay, you know. Wow. So, so it that. worked out. I mean, like uh, you, you clearly had an energy about you when you got there. I yeah. Mean, even in the Starbucks. I, was just, I think it's because I was so excited to be there. I was so happy to be there that I was like, you know, it, I'm here for a month to get a job. So I was like, let's, you know, let's do it. I, uh, I, I, I speak about this, this study I read about in Tel Aviv University where okay. they studied people who followed, um, it, no, the, the, what they found, they studied people in different careers. And what they found was people who had an inherent passion for their field were at a competitive advantage, regardless of any inherent talent in that field. Yeah. And the insinuation from that study is that people can feel, mm -hmm your passion if it's evident in you oh, and then yeah. as a result things tend to fall their way competitively speaking yeah and it sounds like that's what was happening with you like you Absolutely. you were in the starbucks but you you were so happy to be there and yeah. you loved you loved teaching to begin with yeah that this woman in the starbucks immediately saw that in you and then even miss b when you walked into miss b she saw that too yeah so you you're in there you're in la never been there before in your life except for the year visiting yeah. your boyfriend mm-hmm now you have a job full time. Yep. You're there. Uh, but you never, you didn't stay in LA. I mean, you, how, how, how long were you in LA? I was there for almost two years. You lived in LA for two mm -hmm. years. And I got, I, I stayed at Miss B's the whole time. And I, um, I ended up building, like helping her develop different homeschool programs. So there was one that they did that was already developed that I just helped lead. And then there's a really big homeschool market where we lived in the South Bay area in LA. Um, and it was, it was crazy. Like a lot of these parents would, you know, want to homeschool, but then they'd realize, well, shit, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. So they would pay us to teach their kids. Wow. So, and it was really small group. So it was much more individualized, nothing like public school, obviously. It's totally um, different environment for what you were doing in Florida. Yeah. So did you absolutely. like, I mean, it's probably not fair to compare, but were you enjoy? I guess the best way to ask the question is, were you enjoying this tutoring type work as much as you were enjoying the classroom setting in Florida? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely, it was a very different dynamic. Like just the kids were different because of where they lived. Um, a little more, a little more privileged, but um I mean, it was, yeah, it was really cool to have the freedom to develop some of this stuff on my own. And like my boss was great. She was one of my best friends that lived there and she would let me do, um, you know, anytime there was a holiday, I was hourly. So I didn't get paid if I didn't work at this point, I wasn't salary anymore. So she'd be like, Hey, you know, during the Christmas break, if you want to set up an art camp, like I'll split it 50, 50 with you. Mm. So stuff like that, she was giving me a lot of other opportunities to for me to get to be creative, which was what I really like to do. You, so you have, there's a creative streak inside of you that yes. you were getting to explore. Yeah. Which and you I probably it. didn't get to explore as much as a teacher in a classroom. I did a little bit because it was a ones. charter school. So yeah. they didn't really make you follow like the curriculum specifically. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely much more there than I did in the classroom. So, so now you're in California. Let's mm -hmm. say we're two years into California. You've now taught in a classroom. You've now done this kind of tutoring side hustle thing. Yeah. And you're starting to realize, and this is all just by following a little bit. It sounds yeah. like by following what you're enjoying. Yeah. And what you know on the inside that you like to do, you're discovering you have some inherent talents along the way. Yeah. You like being creative. Mm -hmm. You like speaking. You like communicating ideas. Yes. You like conveying an idea to someone who may not understand it as well. Yeah. It sounds like are the common themes here. Mm -hmm. 
So you're doing well in LA, it sounds like. Yes. But you didn't stay in LA. I didn't. So about, I would say, so the summer before I left LA, I left LA in end of May, end of March, beginning of April, 2018. Um, but the summer before that, I started to get, I think I, I was getting, I was a little homesick just because I didn't have. Homesick from the Birmingham that you've been growing up trying to get out so, of. So not homesick from Birmingham. I just missed my family. 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 Um, and it wasn't even that I didn't want to move back to Birmingham. I was like looking at maybe like Atlanta or Nashville, somewhere that was closer. <laughs> um, but I, that was like, you know, a car, car right away. Um, I didn't want to move back to Birmingham. Um, and I <laughs> just get that Again, straight. Again, <laughs> all apologies to I'm the city I'm so sorry. Of Birmingham. Birmingham's a lovely city. Um, but so it's the, so, so now you're in LA for two years, yeah. but, but you're fulfilling your lifelong dream of being away and doing it on your own and proving to yourself you can do it. You love what you're doing. Yeah. But now there's this gut feeling on the inside. Again, your heart, if it's fair to say, yeah. is saying, I, I miss my family. Well, and on top of that, too, this was the point where things started to get a little rocky between mm, myself fun. and my boyfriend yeah. at the time, I would say. Um, and it wasn't Rocky like bad. I mean, he's, he's a great person and we honestly like never really fought or anything. He was great. Um, he was my best friend at the time. And it, it, I think we just grew apart. Cause I mean, when we started dating, I was 20 years old. Yeah. And so now I'm what I'm 23, almost 24 or something like that. And so I'm growing up and I'm, I think we just started to grow apart a little bit. He was a little more of a homebody and I was a little more social and I'm like, I'm pay you know, we're paying all this rent to live in LA. I want to go hiking. I want to go to the beach. Like it's not even about spending money because I didn't have any, but <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to stuff. get out. Yeah. I wanted to enjoy the weather and, and what California is all about. And, and a, a lot of it I was doing by myself or, um, I did make a lot of really great friends at work. So I, I was lucky there, um, to work with such great people. So I would, I just, I felt like I was doing everything without him and it just felt strange. Gotcha. And so it, that started to kind of unravel a little bit. And then when I went home for Christmas that year. Home Birmingham. Birmingham. I was with my, I remember my mom and dad. I will never forget the day I was supposed to go back or the day before I was supposed to go back. I just remember crying and to them and just being like, I just like miss my family and I miss my friends. And I was like, I think that part of me, you know, like he was my best friend, but now it's like, I don't even feel like he's my best friend anymore. Like, I feel like we're living our lives completely separately, but we're roommates. It was just very, this is fascinating. So yeah. even at 24 years old, yes. even at 18, really with you, what I'm hearing is you, you've had a gut feeling yeah, like yeah. you, you, you're, you're, you, you hear it crystal clear. Yes. Yes. And so both of my parents, I mean, they're amazing, super supportive. They're like, Allie, like if you want to come home, you can come home whenever you want. Like we will help you. Like you can live here, like anything you need. Um, Cause of course they wanted me to come home. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking that what I might, might be able to do. Cause like I said, I, money, I was not making money. I hardly survived financially in LA as a teacher. It was, it was rough. Um, but I kind of thought I, I bounced around with them. I was like, well, what if, if, you know, I'm going to go home and talk to my boyfriend at the time about this and I might move back in the summer and try to get a job here, spend a year. Cause it, like I said, I, I'm, I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. So at this point I'm like, mom, maybe I should have saved more money before I moved to LA with no job. Um, <laughs> and she's like, she's like, yeah, of you think, um, so I'm like, okay, well yeah, maybe I'll take you up on it now and then I'll have a year to like save and whatever. So that was kind of like the plan at that point. So I, w I told my boyfriend at the time, I was like, and we had kind of made a deal. He's like, if you're not happy here for one more year, when I was unhappy over the summer, he's like, we'll go wherever you want to go. And I was like, I just, cause he didn't want to go to Birmingham either. I was like, I don't want to go to Birmingham, but I'm thinking like Atlanta or whatever those other cities. Yeah. Are. And he was like, so when I went home from Christmas and told him that he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to move. Okay. So and now, I was like, okay, well I'm moving. So <laughs> like immediately, like, oh, yeah, you got back that was like, it. I'm going back that, in January. And that kind of pissed me off just because like we had talked about it and that was an agreement we made. And then he kind of went back on it and that was very unlike him too. So I was like, okay, I think that maybe we're just, this is just not going the way. It's okay. But now, so you're talking about a relationship. At this point, it's been year almost five old, years. Five year old. Yeah. That's a almost. long time. Yeah. It was a very long time. And you kind of grew up together too. Yeah. And now you're living together for two years. Yeah. In another place of the country. Yeah. But 
you were done. Like you had to go home. I, and, I, and that was another, I knew. I was like, if you're not going to do this with me, like we agreed and we talked about and I made a sacrifice for you, you know, and you're not you making one pressure? for me. I mean, was there pressure to make, keep the relationship going for the sake of the relationship? So at, or? at that point, no. But so that was in December. My parents came to visit for the first time in January. They came. We They spent almost a week there. It was amazing. I had so much fun with them. Um, I was so glad they finally got to see it because I knew I was going to be leaving soon. Mm. Um, a month later, we find out that my dad, he's diagnosed with cancer. Ah. Yes. So at that point, I started having a lot of anxiety and I was having like panic attacks because I was so far away. I had no money. So it's I can't afford to fly down often to visit. Right. Um, so. So now there's a there's an external factor. Yeah. Even screaming even louder. Get back home. Oh, yeah. And so then I, I did go, I went to visit, like, I think I booked the flight like three weeks out as soon as I found out. And I went back to visit them in probably like end of February or I think it was, or maybe beginning of March. And I had already booked a trip back for our spring break, which was in April, beginning of April. So I went back earlier to, to see them because he was getting inpatient chemo five days for five days, every three weeks in the hospital. Um, cause it was pretty bad. So I went back to visit and, um, when I came home, like back to California from the visit, I remember I, I did feel stuck and it's not because my ex-boyfriend was making me feel that way. Like I felt stuck. Like I felt like, well, we're in a lease together. Like I, right. That's you know, what I'm saying. So yes, yeah, so I they, did at that point I did. Yeah. So I came, I came, came home and I, I wasn't even going to like now you came home LA. LA. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So now you come back to LA and you're realizing, oh shit, there's some real world things here that yeah. I have responsibilities yeah. for. And I, and I didn't even say anything to, to my ex because he first was like, look, I do totally understand do. if you have to go. But and at the same time, like, you know, he can't swing the lease by himself. I would he assume. could. Oh, he could. <laughs> yeah. Right, but, well. but I told him, I was like, look, like I'll do whatever I can to help until September was when our lease was up. Um, so that was, you know, six months away. And okay, I was like, so I'm moving back to Birmingham with no job. In December, though, in December, you knew uh-huh. you came back for Christmas before your dad was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. You already knew you were you were done with L.A. Yeah. But then you go back in January. Your parents are visiting. It's a nice visit. You still know you're probably done with L.A. Yeah. Then this thing happens with your dad. He gets diagnosed. And then you really want to go. Uh, back. Yeah. It was like to me, there was like, no, it was the easiest decision I'd right. ever made. So your gut and your heart are screaming to you at this point, oh, yeah. go back, get out of LA. But now we're talking about you're there and you're in LA in April still. April. Yeah. So April was when I moved back. April. Mm-hmm. So even though you knew in your heart in December mm-hmm. to go back, it still took you until April to finally get there. Yeah. And when I decided in December I was going to, what I did was I started applying to schools, elementary schools in Birmingham then for the next school year. Mm. So I was going to wait until, because I ran all these homeschool programs, I was going to wait until June when everything was over to move back. Mm. Um, and I had, I had already like really heavily been thinking about it and I had spoken to my ex-boyfriend about it. And, and he was like, he, he kind of like, we talked about it a little bit, but you could tell that he was like, I think in denial, like not wanting to really talk about it. Yeah. And so, so like when you guys would talk about it, was it also, was the insinuation also there? Hey, by the way, the, the relationship's going to be over too, or that happened so, at a later point. So it's, it's funny that you say that it was kind it kind, it kind of was, but uh, he, like he never, he's not the best at talking about things or used to not be sometimes. So sure. it was, it was hard because I would try to talk about it and, but I felt kind of awkward because it was just like, this is so, it was to me, it was like, that's, this was the person I thought I was going to marry. Like, it was just so crazy. Now, why that, did you think that? That's interesting. Why did you think he was the person you're going to marry? Because I, we were His just so tale? in love and everything oh. was great. And he was my best friend and living together was great. And it, it just kind of started to go downhill that last year and in LA in LA. And, and then I just kind of knew. And then life factors happened. Yeah. And then when everything with life happened, I I hate, this is going to sound terrible, but like that was my last priority. You know, everything, all I could think about was getting home to be with my family and to like spend time with my dad. Um, so then, yeah, we, we finally talked about it like a few days before I left and he was like, I want to make this work. And I was like, I'm going to be honest. Like I can't even think about this right now. Like I need to go do this and not talk to you. And like, 
when I get there, if like things get settled, like I can let you know and we can talk about it. But like right now. So there was an, a major external factor yeah. that sort of helped what you already knew in your gut you wanted to do anyway, regardless of the horrible yeah. stuff that was going on with your dad and your family, you yeah. already knew you wanted to be back anyway. Yeah. And I was really grateful that he was really understanding because he could have been a total dick about it and been like, no, you're going to keep paying me a thousand dollars a month for rent. So when, when you I left, no was there, was, <laughs> did you, did you help him out with rent? I did. I paid, I think he agreed. He was like, you could just pay me like 500 a month or 600 a month or something like that. Like he let me like Through pay way less. Yeah. And I mean, my parents had to help me do that because when I first moved back, I didn't have a job. Wow. Because uh, I just picked up everything and went home. Okay, so you get back to you, you, your guts screaming at you in December, and then these external factors happen that sort of help you make that decision. Yeah, you have a difficult conversation with this guy that you've been with forever, not forever, for six years, five, right? five yeah, years, five, relationship yeah. of five years, living together for two on the other side of the country. You have this difficult conversation. You pull the trigger. You move back to where you grew up to be closer to your family. Yeah, with no job. Yeah. Uh, at this point though, you now know on the inside, like the external horrible stuff with that you're dealing with, with your family aside, mm -hmm. you personally now know you love teaching, mm -hmm. you love the classroom setting, you yeah. love the, but you also love the, um, tutoring setting. Yeah. Sounds like, right. You liked being creative. I did. And yeah. you certainly, if you're following your passion, whether you're in a Starbucks or getting yeah. a vial of sand yeah. at this point, you know how to convey what you like doing. Mm hmm. Okay, so you've got a few advantages going for yourself yeah. here, but then there's some horrible personal tragedies that you're dealing with. Right. But you need a job. Yeah. You're living at home now with your parents again? Yeah. At 25? I was 24. 24 years old. Mm -hmm. You're back home living with parents. Need a job. Yeah. You know what you like. You know what you're good at. What's next career-wise? How do you figure out so the next step? So I worked in where in my mom. My mom was a office manager in a pain management clinic. So I worked like reception for them. They needed someone to fill in. So I did that while I interviewed and I was like submitting applications for teaching. But it was like still the end of the school year. So kind of an awkward time. Like they hadn't really heard yet if teachers were coming back or not. So it was just kind of a weird time for a teacher um, and then one of my friends worked at pro assurance, which is where I still work now. And, and what, tell me a little bit, what's pro assurance? It's medical malpractice insurance. So, um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with elementary school or to do tutoring. with any of that. Um, and she was like, I can get you like an entry level position as a, a policy specialist, which is like customer service. <sighs> yeah. Snooze alert. And yeah. I was like, honestly, like, thank you. You know, I was, was just job. like, I, I need, need a, a job. And she was like, the benefits are really great. She's like, and I think she told me like what the starting salary was. And that was more than I was making teaching. Okay. So here's a really interesting thing. Cause yeah. I've dealt with this in my life. And I, I, what I'm trying to explore here with people who might be listening to this beyond you and me, um, <laughs> is now you're, you're at a real world situation where yeah. it's great to, Oh, I follow my heart and I have passions, yeah. but at the same time I need a friggin' paycheck. Yeah. I've got to survive. I have rent and I right. need to like not be living with my parents forever. Yeah. So now you're presented with a snooze alert job with yeah. a medical malpractice, medical malpractice yep. insurance company mm -hmm. as a policy analyst. You yeah. did not study <laughs> policy analyst in Auburn. No, I didn't. But you needed the job. So was there any part of you on the inside that was saying, don't do this? No, because at that point I was only getting paid $10 an hour at my mom's company, mm. my mom's office. And I was like, okay, I can hardly make enough to pay the rent back of that I need to pay that yeah. month for the apartment I'm not living in anymore. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, I mean, I was living with my parents, so like they paid for my food and everything, but like, I didn't, I, I didn't want to ask them for money. Like my dad's not working now cause he's sick. My yeah. mom's like carrying the weight. So I'm like, I can't ask them for money. You know, like I need to make money to, to literally be able to survive. So, um, I was like, I kind of had no choice. I was like, I've got to do it if they'll give it to me. Um, and I also interviewed at Coke cause one of my friends works there for like an entry level call center position. And I made the mistake of in my interview telling them I, I was the probably going to quit when I got a teaching job. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so they were like, yeah, uh, thanks for coming in. <laughs> Bye. 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 Like, okay. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, so now you, it sounds like you you basically end up at pro assurance. Well, you did. Yeah. You said you ended up pro assurance yeah, so as I went a there policy next. analyst. Yes. And well, I went, I didn't. So I went to interview for that job and they really liked me and they were like, okay, 
they called me back and they're like, so we have a different job that we want to offer you. And at first I'm like, okay, great. I didn't get it. You know, I was kind of pissed. I was like, ugh, I didn't even get like an entry level position. Like I suck, you know? And they're like, well, no, this one's actually, it's better. It's salary and it's, um, you would be teaching. They're like, you would be a, a, at that point it was called a service center training analyst. And they said, we need um, a training program developed. We don't have one. And we need to be able, when we onboard people, to train them on their specific job quickly so that they can get out and do their job. They had no official training at the company. So, and they were like, you have all this experience with creating programs at your last job. And then you've got obviously all this teaching experience and a, and a teaching degree. So I was like, okay. And then they told me the salary and it was like 11 grand more than what I would had been making as a teacher in Panama city. And I was like, oh my God, like, yes, I accept, you know, like I'll take it. And then I just kind of thought, well, if I don't like it, I I can't always go back to teaching because I was certified in Alabama and Florida. So, so, so this is, man, this is fascinating to me because you were interviewing for a totally different role it had nothing yes. to do with anything that you have a passion for. You mm-hmm. knew that going in. Right. But you are so in tune with what you like, what you're good at and what yes. you want. Yes. That even when you're interviewing for something completely unrelated, it comes across in your interview and the person who's listening to you, who's asking you these questions mm-hmm. sees what you're clearly interested in. Yeah, I guess. And then by coincidence, they had a better, a role that was a better fit for you. Yeah. And they hadn't even listed the job yet. They were like, they had just finally created the like job description and they had, I think they had released it internally, but they hadn't posted it yet. Mm. So I was the only applicant at that point, which I wasn't even an applicant. I didn't even know I was applying for it. And is this the role that you're in now? So I was, yeah. So that's what I did first. And then that role expanded into what I am now. They changed it because now I'm not just training one department. It's for everyone. So now I, I still do that, but on a larger scale. And remind me again the title. Now it's a training and development analyst. Training and development analyst. And I'm actually a two. Excuse me. Training and <laughs> development analyst dos. Num- Roman numeral two. For um, pro assurance. Yeah. So... And you've been doing that for a couple of years now. Three and a half, yeah. Three and a half years. And so you're, and you like it. Oh, you're I love happy it. it. I love work. it. I, at first it was tough because I, um, I had to learn. So I, I knew nothing about insurance, medical, I didn't even know what medical malpractice insurance was. Um, terrible idea to go into an interview <laughs> without even going to the website, which is what I did. Yeah, um, but I, they basically were like, you're going to have to learn all of these job roles that are in this one department, which there were, I think there were like four or five that were like the, the key ones that they needed me to learn. Yeah. And they're like, start with this one. Cause this is the one where we have the most turnover. So the policy specialist one, which is the one I interviewed for, I had to learn everything about insurance, that job role, all of the computer systems well enough to be able to teach someone like How to do start to finish so it. that when they get out of training, they're ready to start. So it's taken a lot of time to develop, but it's been, I've really, really enjoyed it. Okay. So now this is where you are today. I already forgot this. A policy and training analyst too. Is that what training it is? and development Training and analyst. development analyst too. Yes. When you were 18, you were a freshman at Auburn University <laughs> and someone said to you, hey, Allie, guess what? In, 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 in just six short years... <laughs> You're going to be policy and training analyst too. At training Pro, and development. Yeah, that. I can't even, I still can't remember it. <laughs> oh, Snooze funny. alert fest. But what would you oh have said? Oh my God, I if, would have laughed. Yeah, like absolutely but not. But Patrick, you know what is so funny? And I actually don't think I've ever told anyone this, but when I went, I lived in Miami that summer. Um, it was the summer before my junior year of college. Yeah. I went, I was living there and Debbie had a friend come. I have no idea who it was, but I want to say from out of town. Debbie's your cousin. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. Cousin. Yeah. Aunt, Same as cousin. we're cousins. I always yeah. call her my aunt. Well, we're in Alabama. Everyone's a cousin. Yeah. Yep. So she had a friend come and I remember I was talking to this lady. She was super nice and she was telling me how she used to be a teacher, yeah. but now she works at this like big corporation and she's like really high up and she just seemed like the a badass. 
And I just remember thinking like this lady was so cool and like everything that she was talking about like business wise seemed so interesting to me. Mm. And I remember then having like doubts because I was like, well, that sounds like really cool and interesting. Like would I ever like I was like, I could never do that as a teacher. And I was like, well, but she did like maybe like one day something would present itself to where I could do. And it's so wild to think back because I thought about that recently and like was looking back and I was like, and I'm doing that's what I've done. It's like now I work for a company where like I'm working my way up. And so I get that cool like because as a teacher, like there's really nowhere to go, which that sounds bad, but you love your job and you have a passion for it, but you can't like move up or like be promoted really. Um, I mean, you can get paid more if you like get your master's degree, but there's not like titles, you know what I mean? Where you can get promoted and and kind of work your way up the ladder. And I really like that because I'm very goal oriented. You are very goal oriented. So that that leads to my last question I wanted to ask. So at 18, you were a nursing student, freshman in college. And if someone had said you're going to end up at ProAssurance, yeah. As a trainer, you would have laughed in their I face, yeah. even though you're very goal oriented. I don't think that was a goal of yours. Back yeah. Then. So now we're, it's not, we're not even a decade later. Yeah. Right. So you have goals, I would imagine, for your career right now. Yeah. Where you would like to be at, say, 35. Yeah. Um, how will you handle your next big decision? So I, I think I already know the answer, obviously, based on how you've made your decisions up until this point. Yeah. Uh what would you say today your goal is for when, for 10 years, not even 10, let's say five years from now, where would you like you to be in your career? I would really like to be managing, because I would really like to be managing the the team that I am on now, I think, in five years, because I already do all of the management work for okay. that for that little mini department there. Um, because I've, I'm, I've just been in the role the longest. So I do all of the like reporting and analytics and surveying and all of that. I do all of that. So pretty much already doing that. So it would be nice to, um, to be able to just to have that like title, but at the same time I go back and forth because the part that I love is the actual work. I love the work that I do. So it's like if putting me in a management position would take that away, so for you, the priority is loving the work. Yes. And you've I think been that is fortunate. so important. You're a rare bird. It sounds I like. I am very lucky to love you've my job. everything you've done. Yes. Everything you've done, you've loved. Yeah. And I know so many people that they don't like their yeah, job. Yeah. And that's why I think you're a fascinating interview, especially for this podcast, is what I'm trying to, I, I've struggled in my own career trying yeah. to find stuff I love. I still do. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, you know, I personally have had graduate school for law for business I've taken the bar exam I've done a number of different careers and fields and I'm still kind of searching for that for myself yeah and I I know there's a lot of people listening doing the same thing but here you are from the jump yeah uh you've always loved what you've done I I wouldn't say that that's a matter of luck though yeah I think the reason you've always loved what you've done is is the earlier thing you said which is your gut's always been crystal clear to you yeah you always know what you want yeah and and you're a rare bird because you have the courage to do it, regardless yeah. of the pressure of your mother's expectations or your grandmother's expectations yeah. or people around you or your boyfriend and the the pressures of being on a lease with him. Yeah. Your gut was still crystal clear and you had to follow it. Yeah, absolutely. So even with your goal of, say, in five years managing this team you're on. Yeah. It sounds to me like if you were presented with option B, which was spoke more to your passion of yeah. being creative and teaching and communicating. Maybe even if it paid less, you would still be more attracted to that. Yeah, because I mean, the the job I have now, I mean, I the money I make is good. It's not like I'm, you know, making what I was as a teacher when I was just like absolutely starving. Okay. <laughs> um, and I love my job. So, you know, yes, I think that because I do good work, I should get paid more, you know, just whenever you get promoted or things like that. But I would never want to take a position that took out all of the parts that I love just because I'm getting like a 10 grand bump. I would, I would say no to that. So have you ever, this will be my last question. And then I know how we're going to finish this conversation. But my last (laughs) question is, and this might be a long answer, but have you ever followed your gut or, or, or your heart Mm -hmm. and it was a mistake and it didn't work out? Um, not regret. I wouldn't say regret because you probably, I'm sure you learned a life lesson from it. Yeah. But yeah. Like, have you ever been so sure of this being the right thing to do? And then you did it and you're like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have. 
Honestly, honestly, I don't think so because I do think that everything that I do, if it doesn't work out, it, and this is probably going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound. It's going to sound cliche. Yeah, but it does work out. Okay. So give me an example of that. Give me an example of something where you did it. And at the time it seemed like, oh shit, this was a bad move. I mean, it ended up working out. Moving to California. So at first that, that felt like a mistake. It didn't, it, that's the thing though, is it didn't ever feel like a mistake, but it, but it didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. Why didn't it feel like a mistake? Because everything that happened, like, you know, me having to come back, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. And then I ended up getting this opportunity for this job and I love my job. You know, like all these great things came out of it. And I don't think that I would have ever had that opportunity had I not went from teaching to the tutoring business to where I am now. And the whole time for you, the guiding, the North Star, the guiding light was just going with your gut that yeah. whole time. Yeah. And I mean, it. I think that everything that happened, I knew at the time that it was what I needed to do and what I wanted to do and what was best, even if it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to. So, so even when your, your goals or your expectations or the things you anticipated weren't coming to fruition. Yeah. Things were happening differently than how you had planned. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to be working out anyway. Yeah. And you had a peace of mind. You had a confidence. Yeah. And, and is it fair to say that that confidence stemmed from your ability to go with what you knew in your heart you wanted to do? Yeah, I think so. So the confidence put you at peace and took care mm -hmm. of the anxiety absolutely with the shit not going the way you wanted it to yeah because i mean at the end of the day you know if you really want to sit there and think about okay like it, you know if you're weighing a decision back and forth and you're you're really hung up on something it's like what is going to be the best for me now i think that a lot of people get caught up in like long term but it's like something that i've learned especially in the past four years is nothing is ever going to happen the way that you plan it long-term. Mm. I hate to say that, but like I would have never thought that at 25, I would have not only had one parent left. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like these things that you don't, you don't plan for happen. So instead of planning for like, well, it, if I do this, then in five years I'll be here. That's probably not going to actually be how it happens. So as a result, you might as well just go with do what with you're what's, feeling. Yeah, what you feel now and not even in the moment, even in like the short term future. Like even if you just want to think about like in a few months in advance. But I think that the truth is, I mean, you never know what's going to happen every day. Yeah. So and it's like do what lesson. makes you happy now yeah. and the rest will. Now, do, are you able to apply that same principle to your personal life? Sounds like you've been it's been very easy for you to apply it to your yeah. career. I think so. I think, I think I've gotten better at it. Um, I think that definitely at times it's been harder. Why is that? Um, just like sometimes in relationships. I mean, I know that the last person I dated, I, it was tough. It was a tough go at times and it was really hard to, to pull myself out of like, you know, worrying about things that could happen instead of thinking, no, this is what I need now. Like I need to get out of this or I need to do this. That was really hard, and it, and it can be okay when so you have more emotion involved. See here, here we were. I thought we were wrapping up, but <laughs> what I really love exploring is when it's hard to follow your heart. Yeah. So it sounds like in this particular relationship, mm -hmm. there was something inside of you that was like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. But you were having a hard time listening to that. Oh yeah. Why were you having a hard time? It, it, so you're you've lived your whole I mean your whole career. You're twenty six. Yeah. But yeah, your whole career you've lived following your heart and it's worked out tremendously. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. But now here you are with your last relationship. There was something inside of you saying, eh, maybe not. But you just said it was hard. Yeah. It's, I think it, it's that pressure. Like, like you talked about earlier, it's sometimes you have the pressure of, you know, well, and I, to be honest with you, I don't even know, like when I look back on it, I don't even know what the pressure was, but there mm. was pressure coming from somewhere of. I need to try to make this work. Yeah. And I don't know why, because if I think back on it, I'm like, what was I doing? You mm. know what I mean? And it's like, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but, um, I would say that would probably be something that I don't definitely don't regret it because it all needed to happen. And I'm glad it all happened the way it did, but it was a lot tougher 
to do you think to really you make would that feel decision? that pressure going forward in your next relationship? No. Why? Because I learned so much from it. Again, I know it's so cliche, but like now no, but things are cliche because they're true. That's the funny right. thing, like, yeah. right? So, so you true. you were feeling these pressures, where, whether it was, oh my gosh, I'm 25 and everyone's married and I'm supposed to be married. I would imagine that was part of the pressure. I, I really, no. I will say that was not it because I am. I've never been. I've always been anti that. Um, and, and the guy I was dating was actually younger than me. And he made comments about that. Like you just, and I was like, I, it's literally not that I don't want to be married. I don't mm. right now. I don't want to have kids anytime soon. If ever, like that's not it. Um, it's just, I really don't know what it was, but there, and, there was a pressure, whatever yeah, it was that existed and yeah. it made it hard. Now that's antithetical. It sounds like to who you are as a person, yeah. because it sounds like going with your gut, following your heart mm-hmm. has always come pretty naturally to yeah. you, but yet here you are not being you yeah and even in past relationships it's never been a problem but but this particular one i think this one was um i like to i like to help people right that's like part that's like the nature of being a teacher and this person was like definitely more wounded and needs needed needs i don't know help Mm. and i wanted to be able to help but i couldn't and i should have i should have been able to know that i couldn't but I couldn't figure that out unless I went through with it on my own. Okay. So now, you know, I'm almost 30, right? And I'm like, okay. Wait if- <laughs> a Dude, you're 26? 28. 28. Oh, no, we're talking about when you were 26. <laughs> I'm losing the timeline. <laughs> like, you're not almost 30 at 26. Okay, now you're I'm basically 30. 40. Yeah, really. I mean, come on. Enjoy your 30s, man. So you're 28. You're almost yeah. 30. You're out of the relationship. Now. Yeah, and now I'm just like, I feel like it was so good that it all happened because they're, I'm so picky now. Like, I'm like, nope, that's not going to work for me. No. You know, you're like, able to go with your gut before you absolutely. even get into the relationship. Before I even get there, I, I already know. That's an amazing so, tool to have. In your and head. I've never had that with relationships. I think this helped me get that. And you've always, but you have always had it with your schooling and your career. Yes. And now you have it with your relationships. Yeah. Okay. So here's how I want to try and end this show. Thank okay. you, Allie, for your time. This yes, has been amazing. Um, and, and to be able to uh, explore matters of the heart and the gut with someone who has just always had that intuitive ability is really mm-hmm. fascinating. For people who are struggling with that, mm-hmm. I think um, it, it's inspiring to hear that. So thank you. Yeah. I want to try and end the episode with a saying or phrase uh, about going with your gut. Whatever it is, whatever first comes to your mind that you think would be a good piece of advice for someone who's struggling with a decision right now, what would that piece of advice be? I think this is probably going to piss people off, but, and I know that like, I know people that hate this saying, but this is something that I say all the time and it actually really helps me, but it is what it is and Mm. it it will be what it will be. That's my favorite one. (laughs) Thank you, Allie. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. So tell me who you are, your name and your job title. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my name is Allie Mosier. I'm 28 years old and I am a training and development analyst at pro assurance. And I live in Birmingham, Alabama.